Welcome to Neo Chats, an interview-style podcast focusing on educating neonatal nurses, caring for newborns and their families, hosted by Jenna Morton. It is a project of the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses, a nonprofit organization committed to the health and well-being of newborns and their families. Hello, and welcome to Neo Chats. I'm your host, Jenna Morton. Have you ever heard of a wellness debrief? How about one taking place in the NICU? That's exactly what's happening at McMaster Children's Hospital in Hamilton, Ontario. Dr. Joanna Humphreys is a physician with the Quality of Life and Advanced Care team there. She's our guest on this episode of Neo Chats. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jenna. So I'd like us to start just with a description of exactly what you mean by a wellness debrief. I would love to start with a description, but I'm going to even take it a few steps back, if that's okay with you, Jenna. And um, these are something that I originally learned from one of my uh, mentors, Dr. Christine Newman, uh, who unfortunately died in this last year. She was a neonatologist and a palliative care physician, and I'd say one of the, the grandmothers of palliative care in our country. And she used to run something called Ice Cream Rounds, which was a wellness debrief. And the purpose of these debriefs and what they are is a place for all allied health professionals to come together and to discuss the emotions that we are feeling from the cases that we are dealing with. And I guess you can imagine probably the more difficult cases that we are dealing with. So the purpose of them is not to talk about medical information. It's not to debrief. Did we do something right? Did we do something wrong? It's to talk about the emotions that each of us are are feeling um, that are triggered by either a particular difficult case, uh, multiple difficult cases, or just the burden of the sometimes very difficult work that we do. And how do you structure such a discussion? You know, you, you mentioned that ice cream. Was this part of the getting everyone together around an ice cream? Yes. Jenna, thank you for mentioning ice cream. So the reason why we called them ice cream rounds to begin with is because Dr. Newman used to bring us ice cream. Um, so she used to bring ice cream. And it, I think the purpose of that, when I, when I really look back, was that it's a little bit of a distraction. A, it's something nice. Uh, I mean, who doesn't like ice cream? Um, but it's also a bit of that distraction that you're not just sitting there staring at each other. You have something else that's distracting you. Sometimes she actually used to bring coloring books and we used to color. Um, but in the way I've been doing them in the NICU, unfortunately, right now, um, we, with, with COVID, we are not allowed to bring in food. So I'm not allowed to bring in ice cream rounds. Hence, the name wellness debrief. Um, um, but uh, the, the structure of them is pretty, pretty open. And, and um, sometimes we do it in two different ways. And I'll, and I'll talk about those two different ways. Sometimes we just say, does anyone want to talk about a difficult case? Or does anyone want to talk about anything that's going on? with? And that's often when we're doing things on a more regular routine basis. Every month we come together, which is something that we do um, for some of the resident physicians who are working in the hospital. We say, hey guys, what's going on? And then anyone who has something that's on their mind, they start talking. Um, And then the goal is for the other participants to chime in first. So as a facilitator, I try to say as little as possible because a lot of this is about peer support and mentorship. And then as a facilitator, I'll kind of work through some things with them, talk through that case, talk through what's going on. And really the goal is just to get everyone to express what's going on and um, get a feeling, I'd say mostly that other people are feeling some really similar things 
And yes, there is a slight goal that you're learning from someone in terms of, hey, that worked for me. But I think the most important thing is actually just to feel that common humanity of other people are finding this really hard as well. And there's a group of people where it's safe for me to talk to, um, a group of people who it's safe for me to talk to about these. The other structure, Jenna, that we do is when we're, we're debriefing, we're doing a wellness debrief around a specific case. Um, so the reason why we started doing these in the, in the NIC recently is that we've had some really tough cases, which have elicited a lot of moral distress, I'd say, in all healthcare professionals who are taking care um, of these really unwell children. But I'd say especially some of our nurses who are at bedside and our respiratory therapists who are having to do a lot of interventions and regular care and handling um, with these little babies who are unwell. And when we do those debriefs, I structure them a little bit differently. Everyone who comes and everyone is invited, RTs, you know, if there are cleaning ladies who have got involved, um, all the nursing staff, um, RTs, physicians, uh, MRPs, everyone, you name it, we try to get everyone there. And actually we start with a bit of a check-in. And so we go around the room and we give everyone who is in the room the opportunity to check in and say how they're feeling. There's no judgment, there's no things that you can't say. Um, and we actually don't start talking about the individual comments. We just let everyone really emote, um, hopefully be vulnerable uh, and talk about kind of what's on their mind with this case. After everyone has a check-in, what I do as a facilitator or whoever is facilitating is that we pull out the different themes, which normally are relatively clear from what's happened. And with these themes, we then start talking about those themes in a little bit more depth, sometimes just kind of acknowledging them saying, you know, there's a lot of moral distress and there's a lot of moral distress about X, Y, or Z. Um, and sometimes it's just to elicit more conversation around a particular aspect of the case that has been difficult. I will let you know that as physicians and nurses and RTs, we always go straight to the medical. So it's our jobs in that, in that structure to try to stay away from the medical information, um, uh, but really kind of focus on the emotions. I love that you mentioned that you bring in even cleaning staff sometimes, because as soon as you said that, I visualized some of, they were all women that I remember who would clean the NICU when our boys were in there. And right away, I'm like, yeah, they, they were part of our experience. So of course they're part of feeling connected to what's happening. And so I think it's so important that when we think of who is involved in these kind of discussions, that it is a very far reaching group. I love that. I love that that is a piece that you picked up because to me, that's a huge important piece is that when we all step in the room for a wellness debrief, the floor is flat. Um, the experience of um, a cleaning staff or a PSW or an RT or an RN or a staff physician, they are all equal. Um, and everyone's experience matters. And you come into that room as a human and not as a X job title. Registration is now open for the Neonatal Nursing What's on the Horizon Conference. This virtual conference will take place June 26th through 28th. You can join your neonatal nursing colleagues for an impressive lineup of national and international speakers who will address today's emerging topics and trends in neonatal nursing care and newborn health. This three-day conference will include both general and concurrent sessions, visual posters, and an interactive exhibit hall 
with plenty of opportunities and activities that will allow you to network and connect with nurses across the country. Registration is now open at neonatalcan.ca. That's neonatalcann.ca. What kind of reaction have you had from participants with, with the idea of doing this and how it's working? So I'll admit when we first started uh, trying to uh, integrate these, at least in the last year, there's a little bit of hesitancy of um, saying like, oh, we don't need that, or the X group doesn't need that, or I don't need that, whatever that is. There's this kind of wall that I think we all put up as healthcare perfect professionals, this stoic nature of I am okay, and I don't need that, or I don't have time for that. Um, so we definitely initially got a bit of pushback. And and I can't say that these things are kind of completely new. I think, you know, or I can't say that I brought these in and this was all new. I mean, I, I think palliative care physicians have been trying to do debriefs around cases for a really diff, for a really long time, um, and, and the, the wellness piece as well. But especially when I started trying to do these a little bit more regularly, we definitely got some pushback. But as soon as we did our first one, and in general, I will say our first one was around a really tough, morally distressing case. We got such positive feedback um, from um, all who attended, both immediately afterwards and then down the line, just acknowledging how therapeutic it was, A, to talk about it, to let those emotions out, but also B, to hear everyone is going through the same things. And, and I think, I'll just follow that comment on with, I think that's where that flattened hierarchy is so important. And I actually specifically ask, you know, the physicians or MRP or senior RTs or senior nurses to sometimes emote first and to kind of show that that vulnerability is okay and to try to, or to get rid of, you could say that that power differential. And, and if you have someone who goes first, who actually shows that vulnerability, I find that spreads and I find the more vulnerable people are and the more able to emote, the more positive feedback actually we get from everyone at the end about what a useful experience that was for them. So fabulous to, to imagine a group sitting around and having that vulnerability. And, and I can imagine that the outcome from that must be pretty, pretty monumental in a lot of ways. I mean, I really do hope so on the individual level. You know, we talk a lot, especially in, you know, intensive care unit settings, um, that the, the culture there is so important. And I think this is a little step in terms of flattening out culture curves in medicine um, and encouraging that vulnerability, which I think is a really important thing that in medicine we all need to be doing. Um, to try to help take care of ourselves while we care for others. And that the more vulnerable and open that we can be, I think the better we are going to be in ourselves and the better care we can deliver. So for me, I think that vulnerability is the huge key to people getting something out of it. And then I hope they don't just get something little out of that. I hope over time, we can make these little atomic changes and shifts in culture, which is not going to happen overnight, that I hope overall will have an even greater impact on individuals uh, and how they keep themselves well at work. I'm wondering for the people who are listening, who maybe haven't had the opportunity to have this type of environment 
where they're working. What can you say to them about, about bringing this into their workplace? For me, the important thing is to start small. And I think that's with the word vulnerability. So maybe you won't be able to arrange these, you know, around difficult cases or on a regular basis, especially now during the time of COVID while we're, you know, everyone is at their, at their maximum, but it's taking the concept and starting small and having some time to sit around with your colleagues and be vulnerable. And it's that vulnerability that is key to these, these debriefs. I think I've mentioned that word 17 times already. Uh, and so maybe it's just saying, hey, we're the three core nurses who are taking care of this baby. Can we find some time to sit down and actually just talk about how we're feeling? And maybe you invite the RT, uh, maybe you invite the PSWs, maybe you invite the MRP, and then maybe gradually over time that grows and grows. But just to remembering that you can actually do these things for yourself if you can bring vulnerability to the table. And to begin with, it's not going to be paid time. It may be on your own time. Um, it may not be in that ideal situation, uh, but I do think that over time we can incorporate that. But to begin with, you need to start. You need to start small um, and know that this is something that you're doing for yourselves. I think if you are interested in doing this, I think you have to be the one to bring the courage to show that vulnerability um, and to set an example and say, hey guys, I'm having a really hard time with this case. I'd really like to debrief. And then when you do debrief, you start off and you say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. And I'm not saying that my feelings are, you know, the feelings do not mean that change needs to happen just because I'm feeling this way. It doesn't need, means that we need to redirect care or we need to add a different matter, do things, but I'm just saying these feelings because this is what I'm feeling. And then I think if you can do that in front of others and they start doing that as well, um, I, think, I think slowly um, you can kind of shift the culture within your small group, which could then expand. I think if you're looking at incorporating these on a greater level, um, you can do it within nursing, within RT, within allied health, within your group, wherever it is. I do think there is power to having as many people along the spectrum of healthcare professionals as, as possible, but it doesn't always have to be arranged by a physician. I think it can be arranged by you know, the people who are passionate about bringing these things in. An easy way is to start doing it around a difficult case. So if you do have a particularly difficult case, that's how we started doing them. There seems to be more, more acceptance of initially doing it around a difficult case. And then gradually as people uh, in your unit start to see that, hey, this is, this is good. Emoting is really, really helpful. Um, then you could start looking at, at bringing into a regular practice uh, to try to make sure that you're not just, as we call it, debriefing difficult cases but that you can start almost pre-briefing cases and debriefing them while they are happening, not just after a child died or after a child left your unit or after a bad outcome. Almost like a preventative method for, for burnout and stress and, and all those other factors that, that healthcare workers have to face you know, outside of their working hours. Exactly. Um, and I think if we can get it to that place where it's a regular practice, it completely is something that I think we can use to start tackling burnout. 
So there's a really good article published and I can get you the details where they looked at burnout amongst healthcare professionals in an NICU. It's actually very interesting. They found that the respiratory therapists at the highest level of burnout um, and that nurses were pretty, were pretty high up in that list as well. You can understand why RTs, they're constantly doing procedures to a child, but not necessarily developing that relationship that maybe nurses um, are able to. Um, but it just, this article actually just speaks to the high level of burnout and moral distress uh, within our NICUs. NICUs themselves have the highest number of deaths per unit in pediatric hospitals. And if we look at the majority of um, difficult, distressing cases, um, majority of those I'd say in a children's hospital do reside in an NICU. Um, I think there is this big culture of we are okay. And if we can start shifting that a little bit, I think it can really positively impact the burnout of everyone who works in our unit. And for anyone who does want to take this, yes, it's burnout and this is for us, but ultimately it's for our patients. If we are less burnt out, if we have more capacity, if we are not in a place of moral distress, we will serve our patients better without question. And so as much as these things are entirely focused on us and they need to be, I do think they have and will have and can have an exceptionally positive impact on the quality of care that we deliver to our patients and especially as well to their families. I think that is the perfect spot for us to end this conversation for now. Although I know this is a conversation that's going to continue throughout <laughs> the healthcare field for quite a while. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us about it. Thank you so much for taking an interest in this and for inviting me to join the podcast. Dr. Joanna Humphreys is a physician with the Quality of Life and Advanced Care Team at McMaster Children's Hospital in Hamilton, Ontario. NeoChats is a project of the Canadian Association of Neonatal Nurses. Registration is now open for the June 26th through 28th virtual conference. An impressive lineup of national and international speakers will address today's emerging topics and trends in neonatal nursing, care, and newborn health. Registration is open now at neonatalcan.ca. That's neonatalcann.ca. The content producer and host is Jenna Morton. Technical production by Tosh Taylor of the Podcast Hub. For more information on the association, visit our website at www.neonatalcan.ca or our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages.